Welcome to the Chatterbox with your host, Nicole Parachani. On this episode, we will be talking about the thing everybody wants. Those that have it can easily make more, and those without it are in desperate need of more. They say it makes the world go round. Money. I have with me the host of Money Curious Podcast, Laura and Essien. I had the luck of meeting these two incredible engineers right here in Seattle during my summer internship at Microsoft. Back then, they were both just interns at Boeing. Today, Essien owns two rental properties in different states here in the U.S., while Laura manages her own investment portfolio. In this episode, we chat about all things money, from how we each begin our financial management journeys, the mindset for financial success, tips and tricks to grow your wealth, and more. So let's get into it. I am so, so happy to have you guys here. Like, I love the podcast. I ha- I think it has great material. I mean, if any of my listeners is interested in learning about financial management and just how do you get started in the housing real estate market, really go check out Money Curious because it is so good. Like, they're, and they break it down. Like, they're not trying to be all snooty like some people with financial information. They're really trying to make it easy for you to understand, so... Go check him out. But I, I'm so happy to have you guys here. Like, what got you guys interested in, like, financial management in the first place? Asian, hmm. you want me to tell a story? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> sure. So, um, so Essien and I, we, we met when we were working at our, at our first company out of college in Seattle, Washington. And we were, our discussions always revolved, like, money outside of, like, our normal, like, nine to five talk. And there was one day where I was like, Essien, like, what if we, like, had a platform where we just share our thoughts about all things money? Like, I'm pretty sure people are thinking the same thing we're thinking. Like, how do I grow my savings? How do I start up my emergency fund? Like, how do I get started in real estate and invest in the stock market? All those things. And I had suggested a podcast. And I was like, Essien, you down for this? He's like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. And that's kind of how we started the actual Money Curious podcast. Wait, hold up, um, hold up, rewind, rewind. Yep. We originally started a blog, and uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. that fell through. <laughs> it felt too much like homework, so we we're like, oh, let's let's talk about this stuff instead. Let's start a podcast. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, for me, I think um, just having a normal conversation live is a lot better than editing my words on on a blog post. So we transferred the blog into the podcast and uh here we are today awesome awesome i mean i honestly really enjoy it it's good to have a plan to make sure when you're done working when you really don't want to do anything anymore you're taking care of you don't have to worry about it because i remember reading this like statistic where like there was like the majority of americans like are not saved for retirement or something like that and i was like how 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 do people like have such bad money habits but you know hopefully in this podcast we will also share some tips with folks so they can get their money in check because i think it's super important to have your money work for you you know i'm curious like where did the journey of getting better with your money begin like when were you really like okay now is the time i really am trying to get somewhere and grow some wealth for me personally, I've always been, uh, I've always been known as like the cheap one in my group of friends. You know, I would, I would always uh, try to save money wherever I could growing up. I remember when I was younger, I had a paper route, right? And I asked my dad, we were in the mall and I asked him, I was like, hey, uh, there's this PlayStation. Do you think I could get it? 
And that was me trying to ask him to buy it for me. He looks at me, he goes, you got PlayStation money? I'm like, uh, okay, I guess I got to buy this myself, right? I think I was like nine at the time, right? So that was the first time I ever sat down, looked at how much money was coming in from my paper route, how much this thing costs, and how long it's going to take me to budget for this thing. And then once I was able to do that, I actually bought it, I think it was like $200, $250, I don't remember. Once I bought it, like something in my head just completely switched. I was like, oh wait, if I sit down, budget, and save up for something, I can buy it. And all of a sudden that just created this, like, I don't know, I realized that once you actually manage your finances correctly, it created a lot of freedom for myself. I knew that if I were to manage my money correctly, I can afford the things I want and it'll provide a lot more security for me. And I had that mentality going forward and then after college, I just really wanted to manage it on a much larger scale. So I think that's where it came from for me. For me, I guess the journey started for me a little bit later than Essien. I was not nine years old and asking my, my parents for PlayStation money or anything like that. But uh, definitely I became a lot more aware of the fact that I needed to save a lot more and I guess save in general to have that like a good budgeting plan and things like that when I was like a sophomore, junior in high school. And this was because I started then thinking, okay, I can start working now. What am I going to do with that paycheck? And my first paycheck was like a hundred bucks because I was, I just started out, I was like a high school student working like, I think I was working like 10 hours a week or something, really, really minimal paycheck at the time. And I was like, wow, this, this hundred bucks, like they, it doesn't go far at all. And then, you know, just ramping up a little bit more, like increasing my hours and then understanding that like, oh my God, I have to go to, I'm going to college in like a few years. And my parents were, you know, my parents, we, I came from a family where we were living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. And it's not because we were, we were high, we had a high lifestyle expenses compared to our monthly incomes. But like, it just, it just was that we live in a high income area, but my parents make minimum wage. So like, my parents are like, you need to work your, you need to go get more money, go work again and go work more hours because you're not going to be able to afford college for the full four years and we can't afford to take out loans. And so from that then on, I was like, okay, guess I'm not doing any student loans. So that was really out of the question. Um, and I've said this before in other podcasts, that just wasn't a mentality that my parents had about taking on debt. They were not about uh, taking on more credit card debt or anything like that. So for them, the idea of student loans was just like out of the picture. From there, I was like, okay, well, how do I get through college? Like, how am I going to get through all that? And it was then when I actually was a freshman in college where I um, took on a few part-time on-campus jobs, and then I became a resident assistant that basically cut my tuition bill in, like, half. Um, and so from then, I was able to kind of manage my part-time income um, from school and use it to save up in a high-yield savings account and then start investing um, in a in the stock market i opened up a Robinhood account when i was like a sophomore in college and that's kind of like where the real like traction of my journey got started and from there like my wealth just kept growing and growing but it definitely took many years <laughs> to get to that point of like just even getting some traction going 
the first time I invested, which was like in a simulation, it wasn't even with real money. I lost everything like because I had absolutely <laughs> no idea what I was doing. I was just like, I didn't know what any of the letters stood for. I was just like, oh, oil. Yeah, people use that. Let me just buy oil, not knowing squat about squat and I lost everything and it made me realize like hold up like if you're really gonna get into this you cannot especially when you're using your money we cannot be you know just losing it we need to do this smart and then when I went to college I realized like my parents were paying so much for my tuition I didn't want to ask them for more money because I was like I'm paying international tuition fees like I feel blessed enough that they're scraping by to get me into the school and now I'm gonna ask them for more money just to you know do whatever I want no so I was like okay you should be an adult and like get a job so I worked in like the dining hall for like minimum wage yeah the paycheck sucked obviously because it's just like barely any money um but I realized, like, like you said, I seen like what money could buy and like that feeling of just like accomplishment when you get something because of like all of your hard work. And you realize like how hard you have to work for that dollar. So like you're more frugal because you're like, well, that's like, you know, three hours of me making tuna sandwiches for, you know, like this little thing. Like, is it really worth that? Um, but then I feel like what really helped me get my finances in straight, and I think this was luck, but also just being an engineer, was working at Microsoft. Like, they really helped give me at least the capital to really start saving for things and actually opening investment accounts and, like, having retirement funds. Because before that, if you are, like, living paycheck to paycheck, it's hard to have extra money when, like, it barely covers the essentials, you know? I don't think anyone really has extra money in college. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> We are brought to you by Empower You. Applying for college or moving abroad to the U.S., Canada, or the Netherlands? Not sure what school offers financial aid to Caribbean students? Looking for scholarship resources or just someone to talk to about the experience and get guidance? Check out Empower You. It's a nonprofit founded by yours truly with the values to empower, educate, and expand the opportunities for young Caribbean and minority students. Empower You offers college fact sheets, college application and resume proofreading and editing services, mentorship, and help with college applications or just figuring life out after high school. They secretly offer tutoring services too, but I didn't say that. All of their main services are free. For more information or if you're interested in donating to this fabulous organization, check out their website at empoweru.online. That's empoweru with the letter U, not the word, dot online. So I feel like the easiest way for like people to get just get into investing and like just not have to think about it and automatically make money if they just leave it alone and just forget about it is like index funds. Index funds, I think, are a great way to really invest for the long term and very passively too. Like you're not constantly like looking at maybe your portfolio every single day. Like you literally can spend 10 minutes every month working on your portfolio if you invest in index funds, right? Because it just tracks the market. It tracks the S&P 500 and if you, or, or one of the other two indexes that are on the market. So I think it's a great way if you don't have a lot of time to like invest in a specific uh, 
company and you don't have the time to look at their financial plan and their mission for that specific year, then index funds are gold. And I think SCN always like talks really well. He, he speaks very highly of index funds. I think that's what he only does in his 401ks. He's mentioned before. Only like index other, funds. Strictly index yeah. funds. <laughs> and I kind of do a mixture of both of those just because I have a, I have like a plan A and plan B of my retirement uh, kind of plan that I have. And so I have a plan to retire my parents very soon and hopefully in the next 10 years. And so I am more towards in, in that plan. I do more of the individual stocks. But for myself, I do want myself in like when I'm 50 or like 60 to have a good retirement plan or a good set of like a money fund. And that's why I invest in index funds in that sense. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, SEN, why do you invest in index funds primarily? Um, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, they provide an immediate diversification to your portfolio. So for those of you who are listening who don't know, index funds are, uh, it's a form of stock investing, but instead of in investing in one individual stock, it tracks the progress of, let's say if you're doing the S&P 500 of 500 different stocks. So let's say if you're only investing into Apple and something happens and Apple drops 10%, then your portfolio drops 10%. But if you invest in an index fund, the S&P 500 index fund, if Apple drops 10%, but the other 499 stocks are still doing well, your portfolio is still going to be performing well, according to the other 499. So that's one reason why I invest in index funds. Another reason too is that in order for me to invest into one individual stock, I would think it would take a significant amount of time for me to determine whether or not that stock is viable. Whereas with an index fund, you automatically know, as long as you believe in the American economy, it's going to increase in value over time, right? And I'd rather put my energy and my efforts towards investing in other things, such as real estate, instead of into individual stocks. So those are my two reasons for doing it, mostly. Yeah, I mean, I think that in the there's this book that I read. Um, it's called The Simple Path to Wealth. I'm not sure you guys have like recommended some amazing books. Some of them I need to check out myself because I am definitely slacking. Um, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's called The Simple Path to Wealth, and it, literally all he suggests that you do is put your money in an index fund and just leave it. Like just leave it. Just don't look at it. Just keep putting money in and just don't touch it. And then when it's time it'll be there your millions will be there <laughs> <laughs> waiting for you and it's honestly like such a simple recipe to success like just put your money in an index fund and don't touch it very simple rules but i feel like picking individual stocks also has its benefits because sometimes i get annoyed like when my index isn't growing as fast as maybe some of my brokerage accounts because well, it just so happens Elon said something good and Tesla <laughs> exactly. doing well <laughs> you know, like, and it's like, you know, like, and then like, it drives me insane because then people will be like, oh, like, screw index funds, screw stocks, let's just invest in crypto because you get like 3000% oh returns in six months. I think it's really important to not invest on emotion and on hype and people nowadays are yes. like, I'm going to invest in GameStop, AMC, yes. like is all hype man it's all hype stock exactly like do you know what their business model is 
I read this post that was like, oh, like people accept that Bitcoin has no intrinsic value and people are just like the value that it has is just because of hype and people are okay with that. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like that is literally dangerous. The reason you invest in stocks is because those companies have financial portfolios. They have assets you can check, you can validate, you know, like they have money. Crypto, you're just putting your money into something and hoping that it's going to increase in value. You don't know where it's going. You don't know, like, you really have no claim to it once it's there. If they just disappear, well, that's that's your life savings. Exactly. But at the same time, it's like people became millionaires, billionaires off of crypto, you know, and I'm just like, I don't I don't I don't understand. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of frustrating when you when you're like, oh, I could have invested like a thousand dollars in Bitcoin in like 2015. And then right now it'd be like really rich. Like my wealth would have grown exponentially. Yeah. But like you didn't make that decision because at the time, if you reflect back, you were probably not, you didn't know the information well enough to take that risk. And like for me, I just get concerned when I see people invest in random ones, <laughs> like random, like alternate coins to me. I'm just like, how do people even know? Like you really have to do in-depth research into like that specific technology and everything that they do and even still like they don't provide financial statements i'm just like that's yes, hella exactly sus. so you have no idea like what what their end of year report looks like exactly i mean if, if that was if we're talking about big, uh crypto so but fomo be getting yeah. to me no lie like sometimes fomo i'm just like oh i'm just like then mm. it's like i could easily put my money there easily but it's just like don't do it Especially this year and a little bit of last yeah. year. I know. It has been really a roller coaster. That's why I couldn't be a day trader. It would be too stressful. Especially, like, I remember when I was graduating college, like, they were like, oh, my God, the market is crashing. Because we literally had an investor come in to try to tell us, like, how to at least start thinking about your money after college. And she was like, yeah, I don't want to talk about the market right now. Because it had, like, just dropped 15 points because of, like, COVID had, like, just started. Oh, my Lord. And now things are just up better than ever. Like, what was COVID in the S&P 500? Just a blimp. Exactly. Like <laughs> I mean, if you, I remember March 2020, I was like, my stocks are on sale. Let me, let me just buy more. And I did. And at the time I was taking, I, I felt like I was taking a risk. But then looking back a year and a, and a few months from now, later, like, I made significant gains. And I'm glad that I did that. But, you know, not everyone's in that position or to take that risk and then also if you think about people who were about to retire in 2020 and that around that time frame they for them it was like a huge dip yeah right so hard exactly so yeah. this another reason why i do like investing in individual stocks is because i'm young and i can take that risk that those that that kind of like the vitality exactly. of, of um, stocks have yeah mm -hmm. so it's not gonna really like you said it's a blimp in time in 20 years from now, that blimp is going to be so minuscule, you're not even going to notice that it existed. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm betting on. I'm really. And the thing that like, I remember one time when I used to go and talk to financial advisors in college, first of all, they would never take me seriously. They would always be like, why are you here? And I'm like, because I'm about to be rich. What do you mean? <laughs> like, I'm trying to get my money straight. Like, you should be glad that I'm coming to you now. OK, like now you about to get in on a really good deal. But you, you know what, want to be all in your ego and just think, look at me as a child. Well, you missed out. OK, anywho. They're, they're probably jealous. <laughs> they're probably jealous that you actually did that at that age and they didn't. 
I'm, I don't know. I was like, can you just help me get my money straight? I'm trying to be rich fast. And it's really for me just financial independence. I want to be able to live my life my way, never have to ask anybody for anything. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where. I think I just got that from young, just always being dependent on myself. Um, but it's just really interesting. Like, Chris, for me, the whole, like, thing about investing in stocks is betting that the future is going to be better than today and like with real estate it makes obvious sense like people are always going to need homes people are always going to need somewhere to sleep and we're only making more people <laughs> we're only making more people so obviously <laughs> and, like, we're, and we're not making any more <laughs> land <laughs> exactly and we're not making any more land so it's like the sooner you get in even if it costs a lot now like think about it costs even more you know what i mean like, like people thought yeah. it cost a lot five years ago and exactly. now look at real estate prices exactly and it's only going to go up because you know inflation all that jazz especially in like big cities like seattle people are always going to be coming there because the companies are there you know like they're not moving and they're not telling people to work remotely i mean kind of but you know but yeah it's like really interesting but i, I remember i asked this like i was asking this financial advisor like how do you know the future is really going to be better you know like i'm like what if climate change just comes and screws everything up and he was like oh well at least you'll be like the richer of like the poor like that was kind of his answer. Like at least you'll have like even if the stock market crash, you'd still have more money than people that didn't invest in it. And I was like, bro, that does not leave me very comfortable. <laughs> like I was like, how is that the answer? I'm like, no, I want an <laughs> I want an advisor that would be like, don't worry, we gonna pull out under these you know circumstances and maybe move assets into different you know whatever whatever. But now nah, he was just like, oh well, at least you'll be in the one percent of the new poor one percent i was like what that doesn't even make you'll be sense. relatively rich <laughs> yeah i was like he was like yeah you'll be rich in relative terms i was like i don't yeah that's not, i feel like that's like a okay it's like a textbook response like that's not what you want you you want to yeah. be rich and like be secure in like what you've been investing with so far and what your gains are going to be and how much you're going to be able to take out so you're secure for your future not like oh well compared to the poor you're fine like what yeah you'll be better off like i'm just like no that's not and i, I think it's interesting because i feel like like when people like get mad like for example when people got mad at trump for like only paying like 700 dollars in taxes or whatever i'm like he i'm like what tax law is he reading I'm exactly like, hand me that textbook? <laughs> i'm like who is his cpa i need his tax account can i was like how is he doing this because like people don't realize like people get mad at him when i'm like he's just playing the game yeah, he we is. are all in the same game. Really? He's just playing it better than you. And you just get mad because he's playing it better than you. Instead of getting mad, you can either change policy or you can play the same game that he's playing. Like, get yeah. that rule book. And I'm just like, where the rule book? Like, <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> the rule book. Yeah, and like the rule book basically benefits people who are either investing in real estate or have a business. Like, if you are just like working your normal like yep. day job, you know, it doesn't really benefit you. There are no tax benefits or tax write-offs, you know? So in that sense, like, yeah, you're kind of salty because maybe you need to create your own business. You need to start it up. And then that's when you can be like, yeah, I'll pay 700 bucks. 
Yeah, exactly. And people don't realize, like, there's so much that, like, people think people go on vacation out of their personal finances. No, 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 honey. That's a business expense, okay? That's not a personal business trip to Bali. No, no, no. That is a business expense. You know, they're taking that out through their business. That's a write-off on taxes. That means they get more money. Like, people don't realize, like, there's ways that rich people think that regular people aren't even thinking that way because they buy their computer with their savings when, like, why not or have a company that's your name, you buy that through the business, then that's a business asset. If it's your business, you're the CEO, it's your computer still at the end of the day, but that's the tax write-off. Yeah, or another thing you can do is get a business or real estate that cash flows and then that can pay for all those little trinkets that you want in life. So, for example, if you have a car... And when you want to buy the car, it costs like, I don't know, 400 bucks a month to keep. You could buy a piece of real estate that cash flows 400 bucks and then that pays for the, the car note on that car. That's another way exactly. rich people think. Instead of trying to save up for the liability, they save up to buy the asset that would then pay for that liability in perpetuity. So it's not actually exactly. coming out of their personal accounts. Yeah. And it's like so interesting because even with the market, People don't realize like capital gains gets taxed differently than regular income tax. Like if you're just paying your income tax, you're getting finessed. Obviously, like income tax is high. You know, well, it's high. I will say it's high. <laughs> but like, <laughs> if you're like, if but capital gains tax, especially for like long term stocks, is much lower. And it's like, well, how do you think rich people are getting richer? They're paying lower taxes in different brackets than you are paying, and they're not paying themselves through regular income tax. Like, ah, uh, the game. <laughs> Such an interesting one. It's fun, though. So another interesting thing was, Essien and I were at, a, at like, a brunch place in New Orleans, and we, sat, we oh, happened man. to sit next to this one lady <laughs> and her son, and they were talking to us about... It was it was like a crazy, like, meet, uh, just coincidence we were sitting next to them, and... She mentioned to us that her and her husband owned several restaurants and they were they were starting up a new restaurant. It was going to be a Mexican cuisine. But this lady was not Mexican at all. Like she, she was like a normal white lady. <laughs> like, I don't know what experience she has in Mexican cuisine, but it didn't seem like it was obvious to me. Yeah. And so she had I was like, we, I think Etienne asked her, like, oh, how are you developing your, like, the restaurant? Like, how do you grow it? And she, she had mentioned to us that her and her husband took a trip to Mexico City and they basically went to all the high-end, like, bougie uh, restaurants that are in Mexico and for a, as a business trip, okay, mm -hmm. but still had a vacation. Of course. And they used that information and that knowledge they gained from that business trip um, and, like, all the nice food they ate to then implement in their new Mexican restaurant in New Orleans. And, you know, after hearing that, I was like, wow, see, that's rich people rich people thinking and so that's when it's like when you can read the real the rule book it will benefit you so so much and then here, here's another thing that they did that was crazy there's the benefits of them doing that right before they got married they started a business they started the restaurant and then before they had any kids they did this when they were like i think either late 20s or early 30s they took a year off they sold the business they took the money from that business and they took a year off and just traveled the world. They they said they traveled to 26 countries in one year. Now, try to do that with your W-2 income. Exactly. <laughs> or try to have the freedom to do that while you have your job. They started a business. They sold it. They had this large sum of money. And not only that, but the woman, the, the wife, she 
actually did have a W-2 job and they paid, she finessed it, I don't know exactly, I don't remember how exactly she did it, but she was able to work remotely and her job actually helped to pay for part of the trip. And they also used the sum of money from the husband's business to help pay for the trip. So essentially they, they almost did it for free. Yeah. The 26 countries, right? Whereas most people would spend thousands of dollars on a two week vacation. They essentially spent a little bit more than that on a one year long vacation, you know? So it's just, instead of trying to think in regular terms, just try to think outside the box and try to think assets versus liabilities. Once you change that mindset, then the whole game changes. That is insane. That is finesse. Like (laughs) that is awesome. Exactly. That's That's the thing. Like, it's important to surround yourself with people that think like that because it opens your mind to like new ways of thinking. Cause I feel like for a lot of people that don't have access to like financial knowledge or financial resources, you miss stuff like that. And you think like all of these people you look up to and admire are living the life you want, not realizing they are not paying for it the way that you think they are. You know, they have all sorts of ways to get around paying for it in a conventional way that a normal person would think like you have to pay thousands of dollars to travel around the world. You don't. There's ways around that, you know, if you really want it. And I think like I, I haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I believe in the book he mentions like a lot of it being the mindset, right? Like the mindset of rich people is what is going to help you get there. Yes, it's all about mindset. And yeah. Um, go ahead, Asian. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that when you read that book, it's not necessarily going to teach you how to be rich. It's not going to give you the formula and the step by step instructions. Uh, that's what I thought it was going to do, but I was wrong. But the thing it does do is that it teaches you how rich people think. And like I said, with assets and liabilities, it, it distinguishes the difference between asset, what an asset is, which puts money in your pocket, and a liability, which uh, takes money out of your pocket. And he essentially says, instead of, you know, working a W2 job and investing in the 401k, whatever, rich people specifically invest all of their time and all their money into those assets, which then pays for all the little things that they want in life. And that's how they think. And it, it seems like a very small shift in how you think, but it makes a huge, huge difference in what you actually do on a day-to-day basis, monthly basis, yearly basis. Yeah, and it's really powerful. I love reading books that are all about shifting your perspective and mindset. Like, there's one, I forget what it's called, but it's, like, also by, I think it's, like, Think Rich, Grow Rich or, or something like that. But, like, Napoleon think, Hill. Think and Grow Rich. Yeah, Napoleon yeah, Hill. exactly. Think and Grow Rich. Thank you. Um, And it's all about, like, shifting your mindset so that you can manifest like those types of realities for yourself because it's like okay now you have an asset that not only brings you money it paid for the thing you wanted and it continues to generate more money for you after it gives you what you wanted anyways you just had to wait a little bit longer but now you get more you get more in the end so it's like of course that's exactly that that is worth it (laughs) like um and it's crazy because like i like i see people like i guess how do you guys (laughs) how do you guys deal with like for example especially like being successful at a younger age you know having a job in tech um as engineers like saving your money and actually pushing it towards investments and assets that are going to make you even wealthier instead of like buying a tesla or like buying you know i don't know whatever thing that like you see people wanting today 
it's definitely difficult, I would say, on my end, just because I want to have quality things. Like I want assets and perhaps having a Tesla to some might be a liability or having like the latest model car is a liability, right? Because it's just going to get depreciating in value every single year. Um, and so there's a lot of, we talked about mindset. There's a lot of patience that goes into having this type of mindset of being a wealth builder. And you have to shift your mindset into, into thinking that you're creating abundance, not creating like this void. Like, it's not like you're, you don't have money. Like you definitely have money. Like you obviously, you, you have your W2 and you're, and you're using that income to grow your investments. You just don't necessarily see it in liquid form. So just having that patience to know yeah. that your, your money's working for you in the background, just be patient. And that's what I've had to learn throughout this journey ever since I've really started to ramp up what I want to do, how I want to see my wealth grow in the future and how fast I want to see it grow. Um, it's all about patience and finding new ways to make that grow even further, like finding other ways of income, passive incomes, maybe not just having my W-2, um, having um, perhaps like a sponsor, just pay for something on the, for the podcast or something like that, or having a different side hustle, just different streams to really help me with my patience is basically what I, what I have to deal with. Another thing I want to caveat this is like, if you're really starting off on this journey and you want to be frugal and you want to put all your money towards these investments, it's going to be hard. Like it's not, it's not going to be easy. As Nicole said, like a lot of people are there, they're looking to buy their first uh, car or they want to go on these fancy trips and spend all the money that way. And you're going to be surrounded by a lot of people like that. And the first six months to a year, I would say is going to be extremely difficult. Like I, I don't want to sugarcoat anything. Like if all your friends want to go on a trip, but you want to save that money and put it towards real estate or stocks instead, it's not going to feel good, at least for the first year, right? And I would always say, listen, just do your absolute best to put money away for the first year. Once you do that and you build a lifestyle around being frugal and actually putting more of your time and energy toward growing your investments, after the first year, it becomes a little bit easier because you built up that, that resilience in your mind saying, okay, it may not feel good now, but I'm investing towards my future. And I know five years from now, people are going to look back and ask me, oh, how are you able to afford this, this and that? Well, do you remember that trip that you guys all went on when I was, you know, staying home, chilling and looking at stock market reports and all yeah. that? You're going to look back. Yeah. They're going to look back and say, wow, I probably should have done that, SEN. Damn. <laughs> now I got all these bills piled up and I can right. barely afford it. Um, but another thing, right. too, that I want to bring up is... Laura, Laura and I talked about uh, one of our episodes, I think it was the second or third one, about your top three big, big, biggest expenses, and that is your transportation, food, and your housing. Housing is the third, transportation of food and food take up the rest of that. I think it takes up like 17 to 20%. Um, this, so I'm going to bring it back to real estate. This is where house hacking comes into play. You know, like say if you buy a house... And it's a single family house and you just come out of college and you're used to living with roommates. So you end up uh, getting roommates. So it's the same situation that you were in college. And now those roommates are paying your rent that then pays for your mortgage. That's a third of your income that you can now save and invest or do whatever you want to with. Right. So a lot of people, they think that saving money, 
you should save money on the latte, on going out to eat, on Netflix, or any of those little expenses. But if you look at a chart that charts out all your expenses, those little expenses are only gonna save about maybe, maybe max 10% of your income per year. And that's yeah. extremely ineffective in my opinion. If you were to save on your housing, which is a third of your income, let's say if you make, I don't know, $50,000 a year, that's 17-ish, 16, $17,000 every single year. Hopefully my math, my math's right. <laughs> Versus like a latte, <laughs> that's probably gonna, it's probably gonna be like what, maybe a thousand a year, 500 bucks a year. And then if yeah. you were to save all that money from housing, then you can afford to spend the extra thousand dollars on going out to eat and uh, all those little trinkets, all those little things to keep you sane throughout the year, right? So that's why I'm a big advocate for house hacking because once you save all that money, you can afford to spend just a little bit more on those quote unquote little uh, lifestyle changes and still feel like you're yeah. living your life. The only difference is that, you know, you have roommates. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing. I definitely want to get into house hacking. It's super awesome to just see like how you can have your money work for you. Like to me, that is like the most mind blowing thing. Like instead of my money just sitting in my savings account doing nothing but just getting like pennies of interest while the bank takes my money and goes invests it and make themselves richer. Like I was like, I could put my money in all of these different assets and they will just make more money. I was like, mm-hmm. wait, yep. what? Like, why yeah. wouldn't you do that? Like, that just <laughs> seems so logical because it was interesting because like I always was just told save, 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 but never like, OK, so what do you do with all of these savings? Oh, you buy a house. OK, but until then, like, what do I do with all that money? It's just going to sit there doing nothing. no. The rich people put their money to work. Um, and so that's exactly what I, I'm doing. But right. that's, that's super awesome. And I'm like, I'm trying to get on Essien's level. Like, I would love to have rental income. Oh, my Lord. In my 20s, that would be goals. Goals. Yeah. And like, Nicole, you don't, you don't necessarily need to have roommates. And then maybe I'll let myself buy a test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. But I feel like, like, I just like the idea of having more money is just, yes. You know, I'm all about multiple income streams, girl. Financial freedom means I can literally do whatever I want. If I want to go and spend six months in Bali and work with the government there to help with their flooding and sinking issue as an engineer, then I can do that if I want to. If I want to go and spend six months trying to build a prototype for an idea that I have, well, now I have the capital to go do that. If I want to go buy properties cause, so I can live wherever I want in the world, well, if I have money, I can do that. And it's like financial freedom for me. It's like uh, awesome. Do you guys budget? Like, do you guys actually budget every, like how often do you budget or do you budget at all? Yes, I do budget. I have a budget for for my ex- my my like my little like expenses that I just want to do like personal care stuff, but then I also have like a savings budget like where I am constantly tracking like how that's growing. I budget how much I'm going to uh invest into my 401k, into my Roth IRA, and I think it's super important to have a budget because it helps you pay yourself first, at least for me, right? I I do when I allocate and I get my income, my paycheck, let's say, I make sure to pay myself first in the form of me investing in my 401k or investing in my savings account and things like that. 
just because I know that I'll have that stability. Mm-hmm. And then whatever's left over, then I know I can spend on food. I can spend on like, I, I, I can get gas for my car, uh, maintenance of my car. And those like other things that um, obviously are kind of recurring in that sense. Um, so that's why I budget and I feel the need to budget because I don't want to be left with nothing. I don't want to be left with like 200 bucks and, and that's what I save. No, I want to first save more a lot more than 200 so i know i'm secured yeah do what do you use to budget do you have like an app or do you like track it on like in a notebook or on excel i track it on excel and i make sure that i know Me yeah too. i mean excel's like like <laughs> google google sheets is another one if you want it like readily available and like on your phone and things like that it's so easy um i used to use kind of like mint uh mint uh, the app it helps a lot with just it, or personal capital. It tells you like, hey, you spent more this month than you did last month, or this is the amount where you're spending less in. So I think that those like notifications that you get from those two apps helps to kind of give you like the motivation that like, hey, you're doing well, or or like get you back, uh, like bring you back to reality and be like, hey, you spent a little bit too much this month, things like that. Um, so that's kind of what I use. And like, how often do you update your budget? Um, I'll do it like every six months just because once the summer months comes in, I feel like I spend a little bit more. And so I have to kind of just rebalance everything to make sure that, um, you know, with the holidays coming up later in the year, I'm not left with like no money to give some people gifts that I really want to, you know, gift them. So that's how I kind of just recenter myself mid-year. I was going to say, I uh, I do budget, but I don't think I budget in the traditional sense. <laughs> Instead of, you know, saying I'm only going to spend this amount of money on this, this amount of money on that, I prioritize my money. So what I do is the very first thing I do with my money, I invest in my 401k. The second thing I do is I allocate a certain amount towards my savings. I, then I allocate a certain amount towards um, future investments that I have coming up. I allocate another certain amount to all my fixed expenses, all my bills, um, and then whatever's left over, that's what I use to essentially, uh, quote unquote, live my life for the week. You know, so I, I know my groceries are taken care of. I know my internet's taken care of. I know my other bills are taken care of and the rest of the money I can use for whatever I can that week, you know, um, to me, that's a little bit less restrictive prioritization versus budgeting because i feel like there's a negative connotation when it comes to budgeting i think it's yeah. for me it's easier for me to just say i'm going to allocate when, when i get paid this much i'm going to allocate um i don't know 60 percent towards all this stuff so i don't see it and then whatever's left is what i'm going to use yeah it definitely takes down like the the barrier and the scare that people get of like oh i'm gonna be left with like no money because i've already like, spent it or like saved it all up I think budgeting is like I honestly hate, used to hate the idea of it. Like, I, and it's like crazy because if you look at my budget now, it would you think I'm a psycho? Like, I swear, it is just so neurotic. Like, there's just so many categories. <laughs> I, I, oh my god! Like, okay, but for me, like the reason I started budgeting, I I didn't do it in college because I was like I I knew like my main priorities was rent and like food. So like 
for me, anytime I made money in the summer in my internship, I always made sure I had enough to pay for rent the like upcoming semester. And then the rest would pretty much just like go into savings or like go into my IRAs at the time. Um, but now that I have like more of a substantial income as like a full time employee, I have a salary. I and like Microsoft does such a great job within their payroll system where they have like ev- like every paycheck, which is like twice a month. So I update my budget twice a month and then I have quarterly reviews too. Yes, I know. Quarterly reviews with my own budget. Sounds like a whole company. Yeah, for my own budget. Okay, <laughs> mind you. No, this is this is this is great. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so like Microsoft like will break down in your own salary, like how much of your salary goes to like your 401k or goes towards like Microsoft has like a um employee stock purchase plan so you can like buy shares of Microsoft at a discount and then like anytime you get money, whether it be for like a stay fit reimbursement or like they award you stock or like what how much of your paycheck is going to taxes, all of that is like detailed already for you. So a lot of that I just copy over every time I get my paycheck. So I see like out of the money that I actually make, how much do I get to keep? Because taxes take their pretty penny every time. And I, I'm so sick looking at the amount that it is right now. I'm so mad. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I like all my money will go in my pre-tax, like 401k, my post-tax 401k. And then I'm like literally left with like a crumb. <laughs> and then oh. from that crumb... I pay for like my rent and like, yeah, like groceries and just like whatever other random things, a new computer, <laughs> tears. Um, tears, and then yeah. whatever is like left over typically will just go into my savings like right away. And my savings usually is like really is small right now is it's, things are tight. OK, because everything else is getting padded at such a like pace. And then like, I don't know. If your companies have like HSA accounts and stuff like that, but like I also have that, so yep. it's like all of this, all of these investment opportunities to just put money away, um, so that I don't have to worry about it because I know that's all already taken care of before I even get you know my the remaining of my paycheck, and then from that, yeah, I just try to. Right now, my goal is to build up money to cover like the rest of like 2021 rent like once this lease is up i need to make sure i have enough money for my next lease so that's like my next like major priority right now but my budget like tracks all of that it tracks too much it even tracks like where my investments are at so like every every time i update it i will go in and see how much is my hsa at how much is my brokerage accounts at where is my 401k at where is even my like vested stock at seeing like how it's growing throughout the year i am so sick like i'm looking at like just my losses from tesla alone just having me mad bro i'm so sick i'm just like in january you should have just sold it but i was like you know what it's okay we live and we learn um but anyways yeah so i like see all of that and then every quarter this is how i'm really psycho i feel about this every quarter i literally go through the last months that were in that quarter and I look at how much money I've spent and how much I told myself I was allowed to spend and then I compare like okay am I spending more money or less money in this area and then I'll be like okay maybe you can't eat out as much anymore sis you have been going overboard (laughs) and then I'll be like um okay maybe if we just move some funds from the grocery here we'll we can reallocate 
And then on top of that, I actually track right now how much of my total income I'm actually spending in each of these categories. So I have like a percentage aisle where it's trying to where I'm going to see at like the end of the year, how much of my total income that I actually spend on rent or actually spend on like taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think it will just help me better plan um, like my financial habits and see like where do I actually spend my most most of my money because I never used to do that before but yeah my budget Nicole it sounds like you should be a guest on Money Curious <laughs> I mean yeah I'm, invite me I'm really happy to be on I think this system you developed a lot of people could, could benefit from you know? like <laughs> yeah I think if like someone's not really good with the with like money management or they want to really like get into the details of like what is it they're spending on on a day to day basis on a weekly basis, they would definitely benefit from using your budgeting tracker because um, I usually don't get into that. I mean, many it's not even because... cute. It's literally not. Yeah. Even cute. It's literally <laughs> just numbers. It literally looks so scary. Like anytime I show anyone, like I even showed my mom and she was just like why child of mine and i was like because i'm psycho okay i need to know this stuff so i can be rich faster okay but yeah it's just i'd like to know it because then i know like okay where are we headed are we actually accomplishing our goals is this like is actually putting money in my 401k making me the most money or maybe should i Mm-hmm. use that money instead of padding the shit out of my 401k i can actually go and buy a property like Essien said and like get me some rent money you know because i'm all about multiple income streams nicole i wanted to ask you a question uh go ahead so nicole my question yeah my question to you is like i know you said you wanted financial freedom financial independence and it seems like you're heavily investing in your 401k um when do you, do you expect to retire when you're 60 something or do you do you expect to retire earlier hmm that is the i do so the way that I look at retirement is interesting because I look at retirement in two ways. I think of my retirement going to be phase one and phase two. Phase two is like the traditional retirement where it's like the IRS looks at it as though I am retired. Um, and that's when I would then have access to like my 401k or IRA money. But to me, I look at that money as money that's really just for my retirement and I don't know what I'm going to use that money for I'm more looking at it as like a nest egg of the future less so than I need it to live off of I'm just looking at it as like one day I'm going to be 65 and I'll be like oh shit now I have another 50 million I can spend woo woo you know like (laughs) that's how I'm looking at it and then I have phase one level retirement where it's like I actually have enough money where I don't need a like typical um nine to five income like i don't need a w2 to support myself and for me that goal is if i can generate for myself like a hundred thousand like whatever my salary you know i don't know what my ideal salary but i was thinking like somewhere around like a hundred thousand if i can generate that in like side income money then I consider that like financial freedom and i don't really need to worry about anything else because my assets are generating how much I would have made, you know, just like, I don't know, like as a, I don't know, just like, that's like, I feel like a good amount of income for anybody to have is six figures, right? So if I can reach that, then I consider that financial freedom. And then from there, like my assets pretty much pay for me to just live my life. And so then I can do whatever I want. Um, But yeah, I don't know, like when I'm gonna get to that 
first phase, my goal is to be there sooner rather than later. I don't know if you've heard of the 4% rule, which like it sounds like if your goal is, uh, from what you just explained, like 100K, right? Then perhaps like that's what you want your living. If you, if you want to live off 100K in one year, then you, can, you should allocate how much you should have in the future, let's say, when you, when you quote unquote plan to retire. And I think Essien can better explain the 4% rule than I can. He's like really familiar with this because he has a number in mind already. So I think I'm going to like just ask you to explain the 4% rule. Yeah. It's actually do. pretty powerful. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you guys, well, I know Laura has. Nicole, have you heard of the FIRE movement? I have heard of it. Like I remember one financial yeah. advisor mentioned it, but it was like when you retire early, right? Yeah, it's, it's an acronym for financially independent, retire early. Uh, it's this whole community of people that are trying to invest. They're very frugal, like the three of us, and they try to take all their money in and invest it. And uh, they have a target that they want to hit in terms of how much money they want to make per year or how much money they want their investments to make them per year. Yeah. And it's based off of this 4% rule, right? And the 4% rule basically states... Whatever principle you have invested, if you only take out 4% of that, then your money will never disappear, right? And th this is based on a study that was done years ago, and it was tested for all the extremes of the, of the market. So, for example, it was tested during the Great Depression, the Great Recession, and every other recession that we've ever had, every other great financial crisis we've ever had, and it worked. Like, if you had a million dollars invested and you live off of $40,000... So you had a million dollars invested in stocks and then you only lived off of $40,000 every single year uh, from that million dollars. That million dollars would never go to zero, ever. Even with the Great Depression, the Great Recession and every other Great Recession that we've ever had in between. Yeah. Right. So the idea is if you want to live off of, uh, I don't know, you say you want to live off of 100K, you multiply that by 25 and that's, I'm sorry, is it 20? Yeah, 25. And then that's how much money you would need invested. So, for example, with you, if you want $100,000 every year, you would have to invest $2.5 million. Or have your investments, you have your, yeah, you have your investments grow to about $2.5 million. Yeah. So that's the idea okay, with the 4% rule. we can rule. get there. We can get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could totally get there. I've seen that. I could see that in my 30s. No problem. Oh, honestly, you know what? Yeah, I try. I'm, honestly, I'm trying to be a millionaire by before, like, 30 before. I know that, like, for some people, that you sound psycho. Like, you want to be a millionaire by your 30? Yes. Okay, I do. And I'm sorry if that makes you feel some type of way. Like, that's what I want for myself. Don't hate the player, okay? But exactly yeah 2.5 mil yeah we could do that 2.5 we could do that bro 2.5 <laughs> we could do that we could do my like i would when i think about like the real financial independence my goal was like 10 mil because i feel like at five mil you're already and i know this sounds so bad like every time i say this i'm like people think i'm just one of these obsessive rich oh lord it's not i'm really not i just care about financial independence so much but it's like once you reach like five mil you're a part of like the one like one percent of one i don't know some like ridiculously top number and then once you're at 10 you're definitely like secure you don't need to worry about anything you know and i'm like i don't really need a billion i'm good with multi-millions you know <laughs> you don't need a billion nicole you sure just, i guess i'll settle for a multi-millionaire <laughs> I, I, mean, 
I'll settle, you know, a high multimillionaire, bro. I, you know, I mean, I'm not even going to be able to take any of this when I'm gone. So at least having a few multi, like if I build businesses that get me to a billion, bet that's awesome. But you know what? We'll have fun with that. You know, my real goal is just let us get to the multimillion first. You know, 2.5 seems doable. Very doable. I think it's definitely doable, especially considering that inflation is a thing and this 4% rule does not take into account inflation. And so, it actually yeah. does. I mean, if it, it, it does it or it does. doesn't. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh. So, sorry, I misspoke. So, it does take account to inflation. Even better. But, uh, yeah. but the, yeah, the only know, thing, though, is that it takes into account average inflation. The We might see huge amounts of inflation right now with uh, all this stimulus money going out. So, it might not work for for the inflation raising now, but I don't know. I think in regular times, once it everything we'll evens out, it, it still will work. In the long term, two point five still a goal. But I mean, even still, that's still a good goal to shoot for. And then once you're at two point, once you're at a mill, I mean, making another mill is nothing. Yeah, especially like there's a lot of um, a lot of the content we see regarding wealth growing is you know the first ten k are really hard. The, the first 100K are, are uh, like much easier than the first 10K. And then once you hit your next 100K, so when you get to 200K, like it's just a breeze or at least what the, that's what they say, right? Um, but you yeah. just have to note that like as you grow your investments, those gaps or like that, I guess like that trend of growth really accelerates. And so you just have to be patient for like the first few years you're starting off. And if you only have a thousand dollars in your investment account, that's fine. Just keep working at it. If the, if you if it grows to five thousand, like awesome. Like you're on track. Okay, the next ten, just you know, we're getting there. We're getting there. It's gonna grow at like so much more as just keep working at it. So I mean 200k 300k by the time you get to 800k like a month later you'll look at it and you'll be like oh i'm a millionaire so yeah it'll exactly. happen quick <laughs> exactly it'll be like nothing and that's the thing like i feel like the thing is like because we're so young that makes it so much easier because it's like the earlier you start the more time you have to get there and it's like the more compound interest like benefits you you know and it's like why wouldn't you start now even if it's fifty dollars ten dollars buy you know uh, one share of an index fund it will grow guaranteed you will make money guaranteed no matter what like what else in life do you know is a guarantee put your money in an index fund and you will make money guaranteed like okay maybe in a dip it might suck in that moment but over the long term even like you said in your you know your podcast like Warren Buffett literally says putting your money in an index fund will beat any hedge fund manager that yep. says that they can <laughs> give you a greater return. Like, and this is the one of the richest men in the world. This is literally all he does is investments. And he's telling you these hedge fund managers don't know shit. <laughs> Just put your money in the index fund and let it be. You know? <laughs> Another thing I want to point out is uh, as you're starting off in this journey, the number one thing you got to focus on is your savings rate. You're going to look weird. Um, all your peers are going to think you're crazy, but you have to save a high amount of income uh, of your income first because your investment returns on a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. Yeah, it's good, but it's not going to be as significant until you get to a hundred thousand dollars, right? You just talked about Warren Buffett, his, 
his business partner, I forget his name, Charlie Munger. He said in an annual review, he said, listen, so some guy raised his hand and said, hey man, how do I get wealthy? And he said, do whatever it takes to get your hands on the first hundred thousands, like the, the first hundred thousand. Until you get there, it's going to be a pain in the ass. He says, I don't care what you have to do. If you have to work an extra job, never going out to eat, doesn't matter. Until you get to $100,000, you have to save as much as you can because your investment returns aren't really, really going to do much until you reach that milestone. Then once you get to $100,000, you can ease off the gas a little bit and then your investment returns will actually start producing something material that'll get you to that first million, right? So the savings rate, yeah. that's going to be the hardest part. It's usually like the first two to three years that it usually takes for most people. And it's going to be a slog, but it's going to be so, so worth it. Trust me, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like when you can take them business trips and it not be your money, that's living life, you know, for real, for real. And you don't have to worry about it because you're not paying for it. The businesses. Um, but that's so awesome, and I, I, I'm so happy that you, like, I, that you guys talk about this stuff, because I think it is so important for people to understand, like, you have the power today to change your reality, and all you have to do is put your money to work, and you can start small, but you will get there, you will get there, and there's a huge community of people that will give you the information you need to be successful for free, literally for free, but how can, how can people, like, listen to your podcast yeah so you can find us at money curious podcast it's all available on all podcast platforms so spotify apple google podcasts you can find us on anchor as well and we're also on instagram at money curious podcast so we post a lot of reels and some powerful uh, messages and and just tips and tricks for you to make sure that your wealth is accelerating and your money's working for you because I think everyone needs to at least tap into some of these resources, uh, considering you know money kind of makes the world go around in a way. So definitely, uh, we we love to bring this kind of content to people. Yeah, I think it's so awesome that you guys do that. And listeners, please go check them out. It is such good content. Like they're so adorable, and everything they're saying is true like it's literally they're giving you the rule book to how to be financially independent so go support them go check them out leave them a rating you know what it is you know follow them because they have great content they have great resources for you guys to check out so that you can be rich too any last words guys yeah i just want to say first of all nicole thanks for having us on and for those of you listening, um, I said it before and I'll say it again. Listen, it's it might be a little rough in the beginning, but it's so, so worth it. It's going to be the most rewarding journey that you go on once you choose to go on this path of financial independence and financial freedom. Having that freedom is very, very worth the quote-unquote sacrifice that you have to do in the beginning. And I highly encourage you to take advantage of any resources that you can, including Nicole's podcast and our podcast, Money Curious. So again, thanks to Cole for having us on. Yeah, I can't add any more to that. So Essien, I think, very well said. And just again, thanks, Nicole. No, I appreciate to have you guys on here. Like, people need to know this stuff. And I'm so happy to just connect you with my audience and have them really go check out and learn financial knowledge. Because, hey, the rich people are doing it. You should do it too, okay? Because 
why not play the game, right? And get rich while playing exactly. it. Like the whole point is to just be independent, to be able to do what you want, live your life the way you choose. And you don't have to owe anybody anything. So, Thanks for listening to this episode of The Chatterbox. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to show your support by subscribing to this podcast and leaving us a review. Follow us on Instagram at the.chatterbox for teasers and updates.